Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello everyone, welcome to The Curriculum Podcast. I'm Caroline, your host. Now, well-being of children and staff has obviously been a top priority for schools over the past year or so. So I wanted to talk to someone who could offer practical tips and advice about how to support children's well-being. There is so much out there. There's lots of different approaches. There are services and resources available. But I wanted to talk to someone about a particular approach, and that's mindfulness. So I invited mindfulness educator Nadej Raban to talk to me about what mindfulness actually is, the impact it has on mental health, and most importantly for us as teachers, to give us practical, manageable ways to teach it to children, even if you're a novice. Now, I learned so much in this episode, and I really hope you do too. As always, there are some fantastic links in the show notes. Uh, We include Nadej's videos and other resources. And there's also a really good webinar coming up from Zen Educate, all about well-being. Zen Educate are an online supply teaching platform. So if you just visit their website or have a look at them on social media, you'll see a link where you can sign up to that event or just watch the recorded version afterwards if you can't make it. Right, that's enough from me. It's on with the podcast. Hello, Nadej. I'm so excited to talk to you, Nadej, all about mindfulness and how to teach mindfulness to children. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Caroline. Really pleased to be here. I I wonder if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Nadej, and what you do at Growing Mindful. Yes. So just in case the auditors wonders, Nadej is French. I am a secondary teacher and I've taught for 10 years in the secondary school in Sheffield. And this is where I started creating workshop about well-being and helping with um, exam stress. I had some talented linguists and sometimes they'd come up for the test and they lose their capacity then. So I thought they need the skills to cope with it. And, and there was other things happening as well within the school that I thought the well-being is really important and, and, and with that, the mental health. So I started about 2010 to deliver those workshops. They were well received uh, by staff and the the teenager, the young people. So I carried on and at some point I kind of decided to retrain to offer the, the mindfulness. I did the Bangor University course so I could train adults as well as the Mindfulness School Project, the, the .B and the foundation so I can train teachers and staff in school. And just started trying to become an ambassador to mindfulness and trying to make that well-being that part of uh, being human and learning skills to manage stress in life and anxiety part of the school. I've worked with uh, the Alliance Learn Sheffield and we did a pilot with the NHS so we did that in primary school. This time I did uh, training for teachers and we did uh, intervention directly with the children and then reviewed what what went well. And even though my background is secondary school, I seems to be working a lot more in primary school, maybe because of 
the way you can organize a timetable in primary school they often have like the program the eight weeks and then the training the staff which is the best bit because that's when then it becomes self-sufficient and the staff can then teach to the children um, I also do intervention just on a one-to-one or smaller group and yeah. Because it feels like it's a whole community thing. I trained to do nurturing parenting, which is another mindfulness course in eight weeks to help carers and parents so that the whole community can have that approach, that mindful approach to life and to, to parenting and caring. Um, but yeah, passionate about the fact that, you know, we talk about educating the whole child and just just sharing the skills and teaching them to pose and learn a bit more about themselves that getting a bit more of that self-awareness so there's a huge range of different interventions that can be done and uh, we'll get into the real benefits of mindfulness in a moment and also how teachers in primary because most of our audience are primary teachers your tips about how they can start to teach children these skills but first can I just ask what is mindfulness we hear it so much in the media um, people may have come across it on social media or people talking about it but what does it really mean you know in your point of, uh, from your point of view Nadej? Well there's, um, there's a definition from John Kabat-Zinn which is, is a precursor he's the one that created the first eight-week course he's a, a professor like in medicine and he created a course to help people with chronic pain And his definition is to paying attention on purpose in the present moment with curiosity and kindness to things as they are. And maybe just inviting you now to notice what's surrounding you, maybe looking around or noticing the point of contact of your body on the chair, the touch of your clothing on your skin, the sound surrounding you, noticing through the senses, but also noticing our inner world the breath, your breath might be fast or slow at the moment. And with that kindness and that curiosity, without judgment, noticing if your breath is around your chest or your abdomen, noticing your mood, your emotions right now, your body sensation, there might be tension around your shoulders, there might be discomfort, just without judgment and noticing. And noticing your mind, it be a quiet mind this morning or while you're listening to this podcast, or a mind that's more agitated just being curious about it i hope that gives you a bit of a flavor of just being in the moment being in the moment with all what's happening surrounding us but also within us and <laughs> really the, the the we spend so much the life is so hectic this so little time we spend so much time just out with our mind in the future planning especially as a teacher or working in education so much to do and it's always that's the next move I need to make and that's what I need to share or in the past if something's not gone that well we might ruminate so there's been a study made where they were asking are you thinking about what you're doing and you just had to answer yes or no on your mobile phone and the result were that 47% of the time the people taking part in the survey were not thinking about what they're doing so it's like Nearly half of our life spent in our head, not being present in the moment. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's very much training the mind, training the mind to be in the moment. And the, the, the thing that he really helps with, and that's another, is Daniel Sigal that has mentioned it, 
uh, and talked a lot about it. I use the the brain, the hand model of the brain a lot with the, the children. And it's that integration of our brain. So there is the, this theory about the brain that's called the tree and fairy that our brain has evolved. So we've got a survival part of the brain, which is more the limbic part. And then on the top of it, um, there is the emotional part of the brain, which is more the mammal part. And then the thinking part of the brain, the, the prefrontal cortex. And often our emotional part of the brain, where there's the amygdala, keeps checking that we're safe, keeps checking that we belong. The belonging is because a long time ago, when we were in, we needed to be in a tribe to survive. Otherwise, we would have, we'd be in great danger to lose our life, be eaten. Or, so they the keep scanning for, am I safe? Am I safe? Do I belong or am I loved? The, the mindfulness helps to reassure the amygdala. So that, that pause that's kind of saying, it's okay right now, you know, we're okay. And it helps prefrontal cortex to, to, to access information, to access the more reflective part of our brain. Whereas the emotional part of our brain where the amygdala is, is more reactive. And we've, we've all experienced the reactivity of our emotional brain, whether it's doing something we regret or whether it's kind of shutting down because it feels too much, or whether it's going into the worrying loop. Yeah, it's quite, it can be quite active. It can take the driving seat. Sit. And the mindfulness is really to give a chance for that integration whereby the amygdala and the emotional brain is more settled and the prefrontal cortex, the thinking breath, take, take the lead. Um, so, yeah, quite different layers really to the mindfulness. And, and it's, a, it's a practice, but it's not just formal. It's not a, just about meditation. The, you can practice it anytime, anywhere, as long as you're bringing the mind the attention back in the moment and as long as you're practicing that you know self-warmth that kindness that non-judgment towards what's happening and towards yourself i think um it's very interesting to hear hear it um being described uh in terms of the physical uh impact of the different parts of the brain and i think a lot of teachers listening will resonate with your point about we're always planning ahead we're always thinking what next um, and uh, that can actually put your brain into overdrive. So I, I can imagine a lot of teachers talking as one myself find it very difficult to bring it back to the now and the present. I was going to ask you in a minute how and why we should teach mindfulness to children, uh, but do you think there's a case for teachers practising it themselves first before they then teach? Yes, it comes with the, yeah, the, the person. If you want to share it, it's a bit like sharing how to swim or play the piano you need to know how to do um experiential part of it and and the training them being able to bring oneself back in the moment and the attitude that kindness and that curiosity so it's it's, it's it is it takes some practice it doesn't mean that you have to have perfect mindfulness to share it but knowing it for yourself, experiencing it, and then sharing it. Yeah, it's important. I suppose many of us know kind of what the answer is, but it'd be nice to hear from you, Nadej. What, are the, what do you think are the main benefits for children? Particularly at the moment, we're talking during hopefully our last lockdown during the pandemic, and the children have gone through an awful lot. Um, what, what are the benefits for them at the moment, do you think, of learning mindfulness? Well, 
I think especially at the moment for the pandemic, this level of stress linked with the insecurities, the loss of routine, the, the mindfulness can help to be with those quite overwhelming emotions. I've, um, I've done um, six weeks a program in between to lockdown with the school of primary school. And we kind of, because you can have a theme underlying your mindfulness you're sharing and we choose sleep. And the, the children then wrote um, to share how they benefited from it. Some of them said he helped them with the sleeping when, when I can't fall asleep, when I can't get to sleep. Some of them is like when I, the, the self-regulation, when I am mad uh, to calm down at school, not to get angry so easily. Some is about stress, the coping with stress and the noticing the stress or when falling out with other people. There's also managing that low feeling, which I think is quite strong at the moment. And, you know, we all suffer from it. And, and the feedback was, you know, when I feel anxious, when I worry before, it says before a game, and also when I feel sad, when I feel lost, when I feel depressed, when I'm not happy. So it allows them to have that moment to maybe just be with those emotions. And then there's, there's about concentrating better as well, focus. Uh, feeling calmer and slowing down and being able to relax at night. They talk about giving up and then trying again. So being with that sense, oh, I say I've, I can't do it, but then noticing and being able to, to give it another try. So that resilience, uh, helping to understand my body, becoming more aware of my body and noticing stress. For some of them, it helped with a chance to express myself, communicate better and make more friends, which made me really happy when I read that. Um, and just feeling happy as well. We do part of the program. We did some gratitude and what went well and that kind, you know, nurturing those positive emotions as well as being with those more uncomfortable emotions. Um, so, yeah, a lot to offer, I feel, the mindfulness is just... Sometimes it's just like pressing a reset button. Some people describe it as um, the, the uh, sympathetic nervous system is often on alert. And especially now, like the amygdala will be going, oh, I myself, I myself, and before what's happening. And it's kind of having that little break if it's a formal practice and pausing and saying, yeah, right now it's okay. And giving a chance for the body to get back to homeostasis. Homeostasis, that's the body's happiest state, isn't it? Where everything's kind of in balance. And you mentioned there about, not that everything's about, always about learning, but if if you are in a heightened state of panic or you're feeling low, it's very difficult to learn. But if you do the mindfulness and you're able to calm yourself, uh, you're more receptive, aren't you? And, and there is so much going on at the moment and a lot expected of children. So I can really see the benefits of doing this. Would we be able to go into some tips for listeners now if they're interested in starting to teach mindfulness to their primary children? Yes, yes. But first of all, um, as we mentioned it, the teacher or the assistant teacher, the parent, like kind of having their own practice. And I know it's, it's counterintuitive because when we feel on high alert, we tend to feel like we don't have enough time. And the others comfort, especially in education, so many people just giving, giving, giving. And it's really making the time 
for yourself, even just 10 minutes an hour um, scientific survey, showing that even a research, showing that even just 10 minutes a day makes a difference. So doing a practice, choosing a practice, and it could be the breath practice because being with the breath, if that's comfortable, can really help. Uh, the body settle that relax the body but also the mind settle if we use the breath as an anchor um, and just being in the moment so it could be that um there's quite a lot of free things nowadays that you can access and also there are some books the one um with the mindfulness in school project when we do the foundation training which is an eight-week course is based on the um finding peace that's it finding peace in the frantic life so Maybe we'll come back to that, but really first practice for whoever wants to share it. And then once you've got a practice, starting small, just choosing maybe one. I know um, I've put some on YouTube during the pandemic. I've put quite a few of the practices of recording myself on YouTube and some of the school that I've developed the practice and where the children are family. I know the head teacher used it in an assembly and they just posed together. She just pressed played, listened to the practice, which they were familiar with, and, and did it together. And the, oh, you can't underestimate the power of the pose. And I get it when I ask the children often what they like best. The just of being together in silence and then being seen and heard, if they, if they say maybe one word about their emotions, it's very reassuring and it's very connecting, even though there's, it's, it's just a being but it's doing that all together. We shared what um, some on Twitter actually of your, so I'll share it again with the podcast so that if you're listening and you want to see these videos that, that you've put up, Nadesh, they're wonderful. They're quite short as well, aren't they? So teachers could practice those themselves. But like you say, then get to a point where you could share with a group of children. You can put them on your big screen, can't you? And do it as a guided mindfulness. You know, these can be, very short sessions but do you think the key thing is to do them regularly yeah i I would i would do them daily because the the there's a lot of uh, neuroscience behind mindfulness and if you please do you know look at those research there's plenty to read from um and it is the practice it is the repetition is that if, if you're familiar with the growth mindset you know that kind of strengthening that pathway i i often say you know the, the more you worry, the better warrior you become. And the more you practice mindfulness, the better you are accessing that calm. So it's, it's very much a practice. I really like that, um, that, that phrase because I think a lot of us will know what that feels like. And, and without judgment, it's a habit of the mind that we've developed. I know mindfulness helped me a lot with anxiety, for example. And, and it's just kind of finding that pathway and strengthening it as they kind of counteract it. The other thing I would do with the the children as well is getting the buy-in though. They've got to understand what's in it for them. You know, the same Mm. way you said, yeah, mindfulness, because it'll help me either for something physically um, or for your emotions or for your mental health, whatever, you know, is driving you, whatever it might be to manage anxiety or stress. The the children needs to have that. Yeah, I am uh, practicing with that intention, no expectation, but an intention. So it could be for them, I mean, to sleep better, we had in the thing, or it could be to concentrate better, to be more ready to learn, or it could be... Uh, to yeah. perform better, even at football. And yes, and the second thing as well is showing them celebrities. 
that practice mindfulness, like Lionel Messi or uh, this, there's a big list I can share of people and just so they can identify and understand like Stephen Jobs used to as well. Why for his, and yeah, by getting the buy-in, yes. creating a space. Tell about the brain because I think it's empowering to know. It's actually not our fault that the emotional brain is faster, it's more reactive than our thinking brain, but it is our responsibility. So it's like, okay, it's not your fault it happened, but you can do something about it. And I find that quite empowering. So, yeah. So maybe at the beginning, you could ask the children, what was your original intention for, you know, what did you want to get out of mindfulness and how is it, how is it affecting you? Do you think as well, it's important to let them know that sometimes it might not feel great. It's not always perfect, but the important thing is to practice. Is that, is that right? Yeah. It's, it's, um, so when you say about, the the intention when they choose to do mindfulness it, you can let it go after you don't have to go back to it but you could notice you know sometimes I do the scale one till ten how does it feel with your level of stress and and notice before and after the pose just out of curiosity for them to see yeah. there's an impact but yes I mean there's part of the fact that it's important to have one's own practice for the teachers as well is, is sometimes is uncomfortable and the mindfulness is being with and it's, it's an invitation the children can choose to take part or not. You can't force anybody. And that's quite, having been a teacher and I was spending quite a lot of time facilitating it, it's different. So it's, it's not having an expectation, but offering them that time um, and, and preparing, letting them know that sometimes it's not comfortable and just yeah. meeting them where they are so some won't be able to do it and that's okay and I've had children where they've had a ball a tennis ball in their hand because the tactile thing helped them to just be in the moment I've had some that drew or colored they're still part of the group they're still here they're still benefiting from it but in their own way mm. some because of the sound they kind of move further in the room and, and it's just adapting to what the need is. It's being aware that sometimes it's not that nice to be now in a world. And some of the children won't lack being with it to start with. And, no. and just allowing for it to be as it is. Um, and maybe giving alternatives. Sometimes the breath might not feel that comfortable. If you yeah. feel a bit excited, it might feel a bit even more panicky. So maybe just being with a part of the body, the hands and sensing the sensation in the hands or the feet. The feet are quite good because he is getting us back on the, on the floor grounded instead of being up in our head and, mm. and thinking, well. Oh. So, yeah, having all those alternative and that flexibility and the difference um, from the teaching mode and the facilitating mode in, in the mindfulness is very much our presence as well, that being open to what is in the moment so that if something happened, there's no automatic pilot kind of more being there with them, maybe understanding what's happening and, and offering solution or asking what would work best. So it's quite, yeah, it takes a bit of practice, but as again, you don't have to have a perfect mindfulness and it's, it's the intention, it's those qualities and it's that presence. That's really useful. Very, very helpful. And it's um, nice to know there are some alternatives. I know from 
um, uh, years ago when I was very ill, I did some mindfulness after I had chemotherapy. And I think the effect on my body and mind meant that the breathing, it just sent me into a panic. And I asked the person afterwards, should I feel this bad when I'm doing it? And likewise, I've known children who cannot at that time do a kind of lying down and breathing or a, a kind of yoga meditation activity and it's actually because you it, it is too much it's too uncomfortable and um those alternatives that you suggested maybe feeling something or even for some people it's listening to some music or sound that can calm you down and have a similar effect and um also what i picked up from you there is this idea of not striving for perfection which is often what us teachers do we think a lesson's got to be you know great and it's all got to go to plan everyone's engaged but with this it's more about setting it up for the opportunity for people to to practice it. It might not be right for certain children at that time, but if they can still be there as part of it, that could be the initial goal is just to see how people respond to it. And then the last thing I picked up was to maybe make it upfront, say to the children, uh, you might not feel like happy immediately. You might not even feel calm immediately. you can expect all sorts of feelings to bubble up. Would you would you say that as well? Because then it kind of yeah. takes the pressure off them to, to feel <clears throat> it's going to be this perfect experience. I usually invite them to experience it. And, and again, just being curious, I sometimes say you like scientist or explorer of your own body and just notice. And then whenever they've done the practice, I open up to what have you noticed and there'll be loads of different things there'll be some more pleasant feeling feeling relaxed but some also I'm hungry oh I feel (laughs) hungry and that's okay and 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 when there is like what we call an inquiry it's about acknowledging it there's no right there's no wrong it's it's their experience and you acknowledge it and they feel sin with what they're experiencing lovely so it's about inquiry yeah yeah, there's no expectation about them feeling, oh, nice and relaxed. I've done mindfulness. No, but they've learned something about themselves. Then maybe I felt a bit more what stress feel like in their body or or some of them might feel more relaxed. And that's great. But it's very much become aware. And as as a facilitator, letting them know we, we've seen them or like, and we've heard them where they are. And that's okay. And that common humanity, you know, uh, year six I'm thinking about last program about I feel low I have an helpful thought yeah and we all do at some point you know and yeah. and just that normalizing and then there might be some strategy that might be decided oh, I might do that to help but normalizing what is in the room or with the child that's very effective that that hearing like you say just holding space and listening but not having to immediately fix it or offer uh, oh well, we'll need to sort that out. That's a, a common yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Anything else that you, we've missed? Do you think Nadesh from um, teachers? So we've said, to recap. We've said teachers to start it themselves. So start a, a little mindfulness practice themselves. Maybe look at the resources that you've put on YouTube and others, and then start to to introduce it daily. Is there a particular time of day which is is better do you think I think from from experience transition time you know when they first come at school so transition from home to school after lunch or after break after lunch often there might be quite a few things bubbling and just just 
inviting them to pose just before home time um, because we were talking about the feedback. And one of the teachers, when I did the pilot, was saying, oh, I thought that as soon as I would ask, what did you notice or how does it feel? I'd have to sort it all out. And it was quick. It was one word and it was everybody choosing or not to say that word that was relevant to them and passing the, I use a stick sometime, around the circle. Yeah. Yeah, so just yeah. stating the feeling. you saying pose, uh, Nadej, is that your term for doing the mindfulness? Is that is that what you say? Pose, yeah. Um, when it's, when it's uh, formal, yeah, I would call it more like a pose. Informal, because you could have movement as well. You know, when you do PE and that at the end of it, or even not when they quite, there's quite a bit of energy, starting with fast movement and then slowing the movement down and really being with the movement mm. or them creating breath that goes with the movement, deep breath. This, you can be really creative. Really the core of it is being present in the body in the moment and, and noticing that kindness and curiosity. That's great advice to use it in PE. Uh, and I'm thinking of younger children as well, passing a tactile toy and noticing how it feels can is that like a form of mind yeah. practice so you could pass that yeah. around and yeah yeah there's a lot that can be done with the senses um passing around i pass the stick of the of the singing ball for them to to be able to voice what they want to um but i also try to give them ownership as well of the pose so if they've got like a you need an instrument that's got maybe a long sound, longer sound that you enjoy the sound of. Mm. And they can take turn to lead a pose and to invite the others to have this moment for themselves. It's like a real gift they're given to the others. So, yeah. There's a lot of flexibility in there, isn't there? And it's trying yeah. to things out. Um and like you say, there's a lot of free resources online. There's lots of different breathing exercises, but it isn't it isn't just about sitting cross-legged, is it? And and noticing no. breath. It, it can be so much more than that. Um it's really I think the core of it is building a mindful awareness, is developing yeah. that attention that you can kind of observe what's happening within your own world. Yes. And and for children, you know, imagine if they're in the middle of London going shopping um, to know that they can tap into the sounds, uh, the way the pavement feels under the feet. It, it's grounding. And that is mindfulness in the busiest of locations. So it's something that you take with you wherever. Yeah. Not just when things are stressful, but also when things are, are wonderful, like when you see a beautiful sunset uh, and you're noticing it, it's it's. If, I suppose if you practice mindfulness, you can really notice it and stop for a little bit longer maybe and, and maximise the enjoyment of, of those lovely moments as well. Or in your own life, Nadej, if you don't mind me asking, have you found that mindfulness has given you more, a deeper joy in those joyful moments? Oh, yes. I am much more grateful, um, just appreciating more the moment. And even, even I've got two teens now, and I, just the fact that I can just be with them and not get entangled with what's happening with them, it's just, it's really, I don't know, a really warm feeling to be able to accompany them and guide them having practiced mindfulness. It's not perfect, and, but there's this sense of, yes, I can be with you with that. And then 
I often start the day with like an intention or a gratitude and, and you just starting your day like that, you, you just feel it's even more precious than what it is another day and, and all the little things. And one of the first session when you do the eight-week course, it's about autopilot. And one of the invitation is to choose one activity in your day that you do really mindfully. So maybe your first cup of tea or coffee in the morning and you, and mm. you feel the warmth of the cup and you smell it and you take your time and you try to be really present for that moment. So it's increasing those moments of awareness in our life, whether it's formal or informal. And yes, definitely improve the quality of the life, I feel. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm going to try and do that myself, actually, because I I too have well, one's about to be a teenager, but I have another teenage um, child and it's too easy to get wrapped up into worrying about them and racing through life. But actually, yeah, so I'm definitely going to start doing that. And I love the idea of just choosing one activity in the day. So with the eight-week course, Nadej, if you're based in uh, in Derbyshire, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, near Sheffield. Near Sheffield. And, uh, but if, if you're listening to the podcast and you don't live anywhere near, how could they access your training? Is there a way they can do that? Well, at the moment, it, it depends. Um, I'm trying to be flexible, especially at the moment with the online is nice to do it in person it's nice to share but now you can you can do it online so I can offer an online course I can adapt to the need of the school and and do like short CPD and kind of a bit like hold hand and they can start practicing and sharing and see you know evolve uh, the evolution that way so there's different ways it can be done I'm quite flexible um yeah. I am planning to hopefully do an online training but again, I feel it's good to have a connection and be able to to talk and share about it. Yeah, and sharing more and more on the on the internet, on the YouTube channel that I've created. Oh, so, fantastic! So you're going to be you're going to be adding content there then. Yes. Like, yeah, oh, I'm brilliant. going to load it all. <laughs> all <laughs> yeah. practices. Your voice is very soothing as well. It's very lovely to listen to and um you know so there's a few options there if you're listening and you'd like to uh, explore more and, and learn more from Nadej about how to set it up in your school but it sounds like it's making such an impact and there may be people listening actually who are already doing mindfulness in their own personal practice but are interested in how to teach it with children and of course for head teachers as well because they're under they've been under immense stress have you been working with any head teachers Nadej on yes yes and the the beauty when the head teacher is interested is that it often invests in for the whole staff that choose to to be part of it and I find that if you if you get to the head teacher and staff on board the culture of the school changes because it becomes part of the school and, and there's a lot of moments of informal mindfulness happening. And, and then the this, yeah, it's just a journey, but a really growing journey, a growth for the children as well as the staff and the head teacher. That's a lovely place to end the podcast on, actually. It is about the culture and I can see how that would happen if you've got your, like you say, your head teacher and your staff um, really valuing it 
then it's going to rub off on the children. And like you say, you're going to have moments through the day when when you're going to talk about it or check back in on how you're feeling. And now more than ever, I think we need those internal tools, don't we, that can help us whatever life throws at us. And yeah. It also goes to families. The number of time where the children have taught somebody in their families. And that's, that's just like beautiful. I remember yeah. one girl saying for Mother's Day, she, she did a practice for her mom. We really enjoyed it. Oh, that is sharing it And siblings and parents are carers, yeah. So it, the, the impact ripples as well. Yeah, and it's, I think... Mm. And something impacts you positively, you can't wait to share it with the people that you love and care about. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Nadege. Before we go, are you are you talking about um, putting more content on the YouTube videos? Have you got any other plans in the pipeline for 2021 and beyond with, with um, your company? Yeah, I mean, I'm still doing the going into the school and helping out that way, trying to become more and more IT and online, having more of an online presence to help out. Um, and I, um, these two interests as well I've got with the mindfulness is creative art. So kind of having the mindfulness with creative art mm-hmm. um, and forest school or like outdoors because it works really well together. So maybe offering more training with those two um, in mind. So, yeah, fantastic. It is exciting. Thank you so much. I've learned an awful lot myself from talking to you. And hopefully the listeners have got lots of food for thought around mindfulness and the benefits of them. And um, again, I'll put all the links to your resources and your website on with the podcast. Thank you very much for your time, Nadej. Thank you, Caroline. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It was brought to you by Cornerstones Education. We help primary schools in England, Wales and beyond with the materials and tools to design, deliver and manage their curriculum. Follow us on social media at cornerstones.edu or visit us on our website, cornerstones.co.uk. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.